coming up on another edition of the Aztec Breakdown podcast. Today, you got me, Austin, hosting with my wife, Carly House Bolton. Uh, we go over the buzzer-beating win against UCSD. We dabble a little bit into Tuesday's game against Grand Canyon. And then we just give our thoughts on a new football head coach, Sean Lewis. Uh, but first, don't forget the most important thing. Go ahead and rate, like, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Trone in the show at Aztec Breakdown. By the way, the stuff he's doing for East Village Times has been fantastic. Trone's been just, just on fire with uh, the written content lately, so make sure you always check that out. As I say, reading Trone makes you smarter. Uh, you can follow me at It's Austin Bolton. You can follow Carly at Car Car McGee. You got Kyle at Call Me Kinslow. And you got Jacob at Aztec Analytics. Good show for you today. Went a little longer than we thought. We were going to ah, quick, quick Sunday night show, maybe 30 minutes, and we ended up going a little longer, but uh, it was a really good conversation we had here. So yeah, let's get after it. Shepard was asking for it for three. Well, he felt it, didn't he? He was begging. Oh, what a play by Matt Mitchell. To Watson, sees a lane, takes it underneath. Montana three, this is a clinic. This is Aztec basketball. Welcome back to another edition of the Aztec Breakdown podcast. Carly, has your heart stopped going so fast after that UCSD game on Friday night? Finally. It took a while. It took a while for that adrenaline to rest. Uh, definitely a nail biter, but glad we got the win. It is. What do you think? Do you think that felt more like the San Jose State game with Malachi or the UCI game from last year? Well, you and I were talking about this a little bit, and I said both were similar, but you were right that the San Jose State game was more of a landmine for our schedule. And so I think this is more akin to that. Like, everybody's posting about it. It's been the narrative. Like, we won. It's a non-starter. Had we lost? Big problems. That would be a blemish on the resume. Yeah, it, I don't know if that'd be something we could come back from. I guess this isn't on the rundown, so I'm throwing you a pop quiz. Oh, boy. The discourse out there, and Paul wrote a column for the East Village Times around, should the Aztecs play these types of games against the UCSDs and the USDs of the world? Where, where do you fall on that? I mean, I, I, I'm kind of neutral. I think it depends. It depends on the season. It depends what else we have on our plates. I think our coaches are really good about scheduling in a balanced way. Um, when this game was scheduled, what, probably like four years ago, we had no idea where we'd be in terms of the national landscape. And so, um, you know, I don't think they're probably in a rush to make this a regular thing, but I don't think they'll also back down to it. Should it be a necessity on both ends and a gap in the schedule? So, uh, I'm not, I'm not hardcore either way. Um, I didn't love the potential of the loss, sure. but you know, I also like that we're unafraid and kudos to the coaching staff for that. I think if we're going to do this, do it on the neutral court. If you want to have it kind of every year, if they're determined to have a home and home scenario, because it's just too big, it's too risky for us as a, you know, so if this new sports arena ever gets built to where you could have, I, and I mentioned this online, I think it's uh, Aztecs killing him. He's like, well, can we do this at a neutral site? And if you made it a day of basketball where you get the Aztecs, you get UCSD, USD, and Point Loma, and then rotate the schedule and make it a day of basketball, neutral site. I think that would be worthwhile. Uh, I, I personally think, I mean, we, if, if we really want to do this, just we have to buy the game. 
if we really want to do it for the good of San Diego basketball or whatever, like we just need to buy the game. And if USD and UCSD are that interested in doing what's right for San Diego basketball, which is a term that was used a lot after that game, then take the discount to, to, to get an opportunity to play at Viejas. I mean, and then I don't, I don't want to like disparage UCSD coach because he was so everything he said was right. And he was gracious and he seems like a great guy and he coached his butt off in that game. But I think well, from, you know, there was, a, there was maybe a few things at the end, but you know. Continue. Yeah. But I mean, for a team that just came to division one and, you know, they definitely, they definitely kind of emptied the chamber a little too early. Like mm-hmm. if we're looking at this game where they were up and then it's like that meme where the, where the guy sits up playing video games, like, all right, now it's time to, now it's time to get serious. I think, you know, that's, that's where the, that's kind of how the game played out. But, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't particularly want to play those away games, but I understand the appeal. Uh, I don't know. Well, so. and I don't want it to be like, you know, the cowardice we accuse uh, the, the sure. UCLA's Absolutely. and USC's of the world of. So I think on occasion, sure, let's do it. I think I'll say the Point Loma coach was equally gracious and really appreciated the opportunity. And so there's some value there for sure. But all right. Glad it's behind us. I am definitely glad it's behind us. I think with UCSD in particular, and we'll see how they keep going. I would, can we get a two for one or a three for one with them? Mm. Where it's like, you know, we'll, we'll give them one every five years, one every four years. I think that would be interesting. Um, I'm not looking to play there every other year, though. I don't think that's in the best best interest of uh, the program. Agreed. All right. So the Aztecs beat UCSD 63-62. Uh, came back, big 14-point deficit in the second half. It was feeling pretty grim, but the Lamont Butler led the way on, on the comeback. They really, I mean, they just shut those guys down. Carly, what is your headline? My headline for this one is, don't forget who you're talking to. And it's just, you know, to me, what I saw from our team, we were not healthy. We weren't playing great. We were a little, you know, I think really discouraged at points in the game where we weren't looking like ourselves and then there was a pivot which i'll talk about a little bit later and we locked in and we played like the team that played six games in march so coming back from that deficit you know you saw the heart and soul in these guys and i saw a little bit of overconfidence in those ucsd fans players etc exactly like you described like they could have they could have pressed the gas they didn't I think they ran out of gas. Maybe. I mean, I think they ran out of gas. There was a little overconfidence. There was some arrogance that I observed, and our guys locked in on that and grinded it out. Yeah, they they overstepped their line on that front. Like they definitely, they definitely like step. They definitely crossed the line and how they were feeling in that game, and it backfired big yes. time. Yes, and you could tell just by how Micah was celebrating after the game, how Elijah Saunders was celebrating after the game, how much it meant to them when the buzzer beater went in. Um, I think Paul Garrison made a great point about why to do these games. That was like, that was a hellacious environment in which they had 4,000, yeah, we'll call it three, that's, you know, 75% of the crowd was UCSD fans and there was good, good smattering of Aztec fans there is that was a challenge. It was hard. And that definitely created, you know, it was just a good opportunity to kind of play in hostile environments. So when we do have to go to the pit, when we do have to go to Boise state, we have a little bit of that under our belts already, instead of just playing all home games basically. And then, an empty, you know, mid-season tournament in Vegas where there's like a thousand people there. You know yeah, what I mean? Fair point. And, you know, we'll get into this a little later, but I think they're going to see something pretty similar on Tuesday. They are going to see something pretty similar on Tuesday. 
All right, my headline, I see Cardiac Aztecs pull it, do it again. Uh, John Schaefer put a put an awesome thread out there of just all of the buzzer beaters in the Twitter area, Twitter era, and there's a bunch. I mean, there's the obvious one. Go to buzzer at the butler at the buzzer.com to get your picture of it. <laughs> I love it. You have the New Mexico buzzer beater that Lamont had. You had the Malachi one. You have multiple Jamal Franklin ones. You have Xavier Thames, DJ Gage, Chase Tapley. I mean, there's been a lot of buzzer beaters over the years, and pure buzzer beaters too, but then also some really close games that have fallen in yes. our favor that are easy to forget about. It, it's just, you know, it's, it's, but it's the, the style though, right? Because they're, because the ASICs historically speaking have played such a grind where there's just a ton of close games because it's always like 63, 62, 61, Like it, there's just not a lot of points in these games. So it's easier to kind of have these compressed these compressed margins where you need a buzzer beater or you need to kind of pull it off at the end, which what, which what makes the old five minute winning streak. If the Essex had lead with five minutes to go, they, they won the game for however many games that was that much more impressive because they never really had huge leads. Um, but these guys have metal and this team has metal and they got grit and they just, they, they just don't, they just don't let the games get away from them. Yeah. You know, I mean, even in the UConn game, they mounted a comeback and it wasn't quite enough in the national championship game, but they still grinded. They still scratch and clawed their way to try to get back in the game. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely something to be said for that experience in those tough environments and having, having overcome challenges like that in the past, you know, instills in you that you can do it. And they've done it plenty of times. All right, so let's get into the players here. So let's get into the guy with the tip of himself, Jaden Ledee. He had 13 points, 10 boards. It felt light, but you pointed out to me that he still had a double-double in the moment. Crazy. This It's crazy town that, like, last year this would have been an outstanding game for Jaden, and this year it feels like a really low-key game for him. I mean, the differential is absolutely the fouls. Like, he didn't draw fouls. We didn't get a lot of foul calls at all in this game. Um essentially the 13 and 10 is what I expect him to produce sans his free throw shooting. And so this is pretty on par, good game for Jaden. He's getting mauled down under as he typically does. And so I was glad to see that he still got that double double. I've said it. I've said it a handful of times already this season. There was going to be games where he didn't get foul calls. Yeah. There's going to be more. There was, I don't think either team was in the bonus in the second half. They let the guys play. And him having zero out free throws is definitely an outlier. Like he's going to get more free throws in basically every game, rest of the game this season. I would not expect him to have another game with zero free throws. Yeah, uh, I, it's it's interesting though because I think talk about a learning experience in a hostile environment. I think this is really good for Jaden because the scouting report is now this guy's dominant. Mm-hmm. He's the folk. He's the number one focus of every scouting report, and it just gives him a chance to be the center of attention in these hostile environments before we get into conference play, because there are some things from a, just the defense collapsing on him and getting the ball out to shooters where I still think he needs to refine a little bit because he gets bounced around like a pinball down there sometimes. And, you know, it's tough to make those passes. And so getting that refined before they play Boise or, you know, Nevada or whatever is going to be majorly important. Yeah. You know, I think it's definitely in his mind that that's the function of, he talked about it in preseason media days, you know, when they're all over me, I get the double team. It's going to be a good night for someone else. So as the team experiences that in real time, I think it is super important and it's great for the other guys too, to be forced to step up when it comes to the offense, when he's not able to score the ball. Yeah. I, it's just like, 
it's got to be such a different role over like he's just like you know he's kind of plugged away plugged away he's been waiting for this moment he gets it and now he's the center of all five people's attention on the defense and it's just an adjustment and it's this is i'm glad that we're he's going to get an opportunity against you know ucsd grand canyon the first real test will be you know against gonzaga but they may not collapse against uh, in the gonzaga game because they have ek so they may let him go one-on-one the one thing I, i mean i think i would like to see him do a little bit more and he did this against washington in the second half when when we needed some baskets was instead of being just the bowling ball to get to the rim just pull up at the elbow he's money at that shot and so you know not necessarily trying to get to the rim when they're very obviously not calling fouls but having the wherewithal to kind of pull up and take that jumper i think is a good shot so no, he, he's just got to refine. It's just, it's new. This is so new in game action for him at this point for the last, his last five seasons out there that I think this is all good learning experience for him. And it'll be super consequential in a good way when, once the conference play starts. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, everybody except for Lamont right now is playing a new role this year. You know, even yeah. Darian, you know, other than this game, which he started because Reese Waters was sick, like Darian's coming off the bench. That's new. Each of these guys has a different level of responsibility. And so they're all still finding their way. Yeah. And just leaving the minutes like. Yeah. Just yeah, they- last year we were doing line changes this year. You know, you have Micah 35, Jaden 30, but he isn't a foul trouble. Elijah 30, Lamont 32, Darian 32. And then Reese had 17, but he was sick. And then Jay Powell only had eight because he was sick. And then I think Miles Heidi's numbers will fluctuate up and down just kind of based on the situation. But, you know, I, yeah, it, I, you know, I'm just, I'm so happy for Jaden with because he's earned it and he's earned the attention and he's earned being the number one person on the scouting report. Now it's just about time where our opponents are adjusting. Now it's his turn for a counterpunch and what is he going to do to pull that off? Yep, definitely. All right, let's move on to Micah Parrish. 15 points, 10 boards, two for five from three. He's still shooting 48% from three, I think nice. is what it is. I had it here. It left me. It's free. Yeah, 48.3% for three on the season. I said earlier in the year, if he was going to have to play any kind of power forward or anything like that, I thought he was a sneaky good rebounder. He's been so this season. Um, he's averaging five boards a game on top of that. And I think on top of the production, and I'm going to tee you up here, is – just how important he's been to this team just overall. Yeah. I mean, incredibly important. I, I'm going to save some of my commentary for Michael Byrne hater. I have some space carved out from Michael okay. Parrish there, but uh, you know, I think this is a role we needed him to play. And when we were watching the shakeout of the transfer portal and who was going to be on our team, especially, you know, when, when Trone and I earlier this season talked about, you know, the, the wings and the role Micah would have to play and Reese and, Micah's holding his own and it's exactly what we wanted to see from him. We wanted him to rise to the occasion as the guy uh, out of that little trio that we talked through with him, Reese and Miles. And and I think we got really lucky because so far both Micah and Reese have been the guy, which is awesome. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think that's spot on. I think you're exactly right. Um, He's just been very good. He's been very good. He's been a steady force. I think he's kind of filled that emotional leader, which I know you're going to talk about a little bit for that, that Keyshot left behind from last season. Also, shout out Keyshot, just awesome, awesome season at Arizona. Just pumped for him. Uh, but Mike is also having two steals a game. Like he's locking guys up, he's hitting threes. Uh, you know, he's got that 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 pump fake, and I'm just 
I'm loving it. Yeah, the defense has stepped up for for sure. Get a visit uh, Mike Parrish's uh, home state slash hometown tomorrow for work. Pretty excited about my first Detroit trip, but um, yeah. you'll see you'll see why I transferred to San Diego State. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be 33 <laughs> degrees. So awesome. But yeah, loving that Micah is such an important part of the team this year. Yeah. So. All right. Let's uh let's get to Lamont Butler, who I think turned a corner with his offensive game. He had 10 points, he had five assists to two turnovers. I think doesn't do it justice of just how clutch he was in the second half of the Aztecs. Also, don't forget, Butler at the buzzer.com. Go buy a picture. Not very many left. So, great signing event at Smith the other day. Um, but I, you know, I really loved how it just did seem like he turned the corner. And if guys are going to go under screens, he's got to hit those threes. And he yeah. did. And yeah. he did to get the team back in the game. Yeah, that one, he just, you know, to, to Austin Bolton's pleasure, very conscientious of the floor spacing, had some room, took that big step back in order to hit the three and not take the long two that I know you hate so much. But it's, not, it's just, it's just not. It's not I get it. It's not a great shot. But that shows, you know, his leadership, his maturity around making smart decisions. I think for him, you know, I usually don't undersell the value of the Lamont Butler. We talked about it all last season, et cetera. But for the fans to see him have this good game, I think is really beneficial. He's been really impactful this year on the defensive end and has some moments, but he he needed, I think, to to get back on the shoulders of the fans and he he did it. Definitely. I mean, he's just, he's a busy guy. And, you know, I didn't want, despite all the, that guy put so much work in, you know, and I don't want that to go unnoticed no matter how popular he's getting and all this fun, all the stuff that he gets to do for himself personally, because he still puts in just so much freaking work. Uh, can I just like say a sidebar? Like the physique change oh my for God. him? He's, his art, it, last year it was his hips and his like thighs where I was like, God, he that guy's got a huge trunk. His arms are gigantic this year. And it's one of those things where this is where playing four years of college basketball helps because his physique is just changing every year, yeah. which I guess if he went pro, that would probably just depending, but like, you know, for a guy just, you can just see how much he's changing, how much work he's put in there is just, you know, that's, that's the type of guy that they want at San Diego state, you know? Absolutely. All right. Let's talk about Elijah Saunders, 13 points, five boards, just a couple, just huge three pointers, just absolutely huge three pointers. He was three for four from three, five for six from the field. Um, I think everybody was maybe a touch worried in that exhibition game. Just like, you know, like, but let me tell you, I am just loving, loving what I'm seeing from Elijah Saunders. He's been just out freaking standing this season. He's finding his role. He's finding his niche. And as he grows in this program, he's going to add more pieces to the puzzle and he's going to keep another person that's transformed his body and adding pieces. And his stock is just through the roof right now. And I just, I just love, love, love just what I'm seeing from Elijah. And he's just picked his perfect niche for this team. And it's just, his role is just going to keep expanding. Yeah. He's playing with such confidence, which I think was probably the factor at the beginning of the season. Like he's thrown into a starter role, not really what we anticipated the starting lineup to look uh, look like, you know, but given Darian's injury, et cetera, uh, he's really come into his own with it. And for me, the biggest thing is the consistency we've seen. Yeah. And that he's been absolutely paramount. consistent and his defense has been good. There was times where they were trying to switch on him and he was moving his feet and he was right in front of them. They were trying to, they were trying to wind the clock at the end of that game there. And they switched Elijah onto the, um, uh, what's his name? Pope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They switched him onto Pope who didn't, 
who played every second of that game. He played 40 minutes. That's why he was, you know. But Pope was winding the clock down on him. Elijah's clapping, getting pumped up. And he he forced a miss a couple different times and they tried to switch Elijah onto him. And he just was outstanding. And he's just turning into he's just turning into a great Aztec. And I just can't I'm just so looking forward to him just keeping adding tools to the tool belt. I know. I can't wait for Miles Bird to get healthy because I really still think there's some yes. magic in that dynamic duo, but I'll definitely take what we're getting from Elijah this year and can't wait to see well, what else just, he does. Nobody wants to like lose a spot because of injury. Like we, nobody wants that. Nobody wanted Darian to, you know, with his shoulder. And But when something comes to you and from an opportunity standpoint, because it's what the team needs due to whatever circumstance, talk about just taking the reins and be like, yes this is what I'm doing and this is how we're going to, this is how I'm going to do it. And I just love his trailer threes. They're so good from up top of the key. Like it's just fantastic stuff. And the shot is so pretty and it, you know, just a beautiful arc on it. It's just, it's textbook. I mean, remember in Maui when he was, I was literally just about to call that back. <laughs> we, we watched him make like 12 in a row. And the whole crowd is crowd counting in half. I like one, two. It was awesome. So yeah. Oh, great minds. Great minds. So I guess it's the way I got married, huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Reese Waters. I mean, this obviously is... this was a quiet game for him. He was sick. I think the highlight for me is just like how important he is to this team so quickly. Because I think if he had been fully healthy and played, this game would have been a blowout Aztec win. I think he is stre- he is personally responsible for stretching the defenses out. Mm-hmm. I, I put him on here not because of his stat line, but because of how important he seems to be. Because you know, like Micah, he's shooting. Mm-hmm. What is he? What is he here? 44 percent from three. So he is going to stretch the floor, but he's also dynamic. He's also dynamic off the dribble, and it's just he is really important to the offense. I think he's really important to Jaden. Yes. Quite frankly, yeah. um, on keeping some of the guys maybe from help side doubles and things of that nature, and he just he has a knack of getting making buckets, and you know that's something that we always need as a San Diego State team is a guy who can get us a bucket, and Reese Waters is a bucket getter. Shout out to Kill Quinn, I know you're good uh, close with him. Like, let's you know, let's just keep let's just keep it rolling with with Reese Waters and get well soon because this team needs him. Absolutely. There was definitely some collective panic on the the Twitter spaces um, where he wasn't in the starting lineup. And like, I was putting out some of those fires, just like, you know, guys, he's sick. He was sick. He was sick all week. He and Jay Powell had the flu. So just public service announcement. I anticipate things will revert back to the consistent starting lineup that we have seen. Yes, I would assume so. For the foreseeable future. I would think so. Um, Anybody else you want to talk about before we move on? Any other stats that you saw or anything that, that you're... Uh, I mean, I think the one other notable thing for me was that we really, you know, cleaned up in the rebounds and that was really important. I think, you know, even when we were behind in this game, we definitely took care of business there, which has been a focus from the last couple of games where we maybe weren't so dominant. And so that's a good thing to see for us to build upon. Yeah, I wish I had a first half, second half box score here because I would be very interested in knowing what our assists were in the first half mm-hmm. compared to the second half, because when this team passes the ball, they're so much more effective offensively and they still had a pretty good number. It was, they had 15 assists on 26 makes. So over 50% for the season, they are 58.3% of assists on field goals made, which is good for 44th in the country. And they just, I think they got a little stack. I mean, 
they didn't bring their head game in the first half. I think they would agree with that as well. <laughs> and just, it wasn't, and they, they were missing guys and all of that. But when this team moves the ball, they are much better for it. And we just got to, I loved, I'd love to see that, that assist to field goal made ratio just be so high. Got it. Yeah, totally. All right. Let's get to your favorite play of the game. What was your favorite play of the game from, I mean, it's pretty easy, probably a pretty easy choice, other than the putback, other than the tip into win. I was going to say, like, if we can put that There's one on the There's also another shelf. one, but you can take the, you can take the easy <laughs> one. I mean, Lamont's dunk, come on. I, like, was just waiting. I was, like, refreshing Twitter to see what this, like, what, what are people going to say about that? That was so dominant. It was so, like, just, again, like, back to my headline, don't forget who you're talking to. Um, and it's not something you see from Lamont a super lot. Uh, the guy, so the, the guy defending him that's in the photo, that really fantastic picture that's out there of this dunk, um, not yeah. him, but the other defender that was like on the baseline in that moment literally dives out of the way. If you go watch the clip of it, it's hilarious as Lamont's like going up, he like kind of crouches and then like flings his body out of bounds. And that was my favorite part because he's scared. Yeah, I mean, two points on that. First, shout out Deanna Gold from East Village Times, who got those pictures. Really, she, really fantastic. She is new to the team and their photography, and they do – East Village Times does an outstanding job. I support them no matter what. But she got she's just been really an outstanding addition to their team this year, and that is just a killer, killer, killer shot that she got of Lamont posterizing that guy. Yeah. I hope they make posters of that. We got to do another Butler be at the like buzzer. A, a Lamont trading card. I've heard some buzz that people Lamont, like that. Lamont at the rem.com and just like <laughs> do another poster. Nice. Um, I think for the other thing too, which is interesting is we haven't seen that before in traffic. And there have been times where he's gotten to the rim and it's not always been the prettiest and it's not gone in. I think there was even a couple in this game. And like, let's just elevate. Yeah. Well, I mean, just assert, let's assert let's just yourself. see let's just see more of that, right? Like, he's so strong and he's so bounced. Like, he has this bounce to him. He didn't have that bounce his freshman year. No. Remember, no. I think there was a game where he like kind of blocked himself on a dunk when he was like a freshman. Ooh. Maybe that was against Michigan. Was that against Michigan? I can't. Remember. I don't remember what it was, but it was like, all right, it, it was one of those moments like that guy's gonna get stronger and that will be no problem. Yeah. We've gotten to that point. Hooray. It's no no problem, and I just want to see him be above the rim a little bit more if that's in the arsenal because. He does get into traffic a little bit and he, you know, I don't, I don't know. I have it right in front of me, but his layup, his, his percentage in the paint is probably not where he wants it to be. And a good way to get that up is to elevate, use those bunnies and dunk the ball. Yeah. Loved it. Loved it. Can't wait. I'll add it to my uh, list of plays that I watch when I just need a pick me up. So what about you? What was your favorite play of the game? My favorite play of the game is it's just around the Elijah Saunders three barrage in the second half. Mm-hmm. Um, he was insanely clutch in that game. And I just love to see the confidence from him. We were talking about it before. He was confident in his shot, didn't look scared. And we, that this team needs that experience and they need him to be confident, to be successful for the, the bigger goals, right? Not just the home game against San Jose state, but they need that. And, Vegas. They need that in Boise, in New Mexico, in March, wherever we play, hopefully down the street here at crypto.com arena in the West region. Like <laughs> we need him to not 
we need him to be confident and playing his best basketball. And he's playing confident. I think, I think he's just building off of it and it's snowballing. And I just, I thought those shots were huge, not only for the team in this game, obviously, but if you're looking at the broader picture of Elijah Saunders, I thought, you know, he, A, he's been playing outstanding, but I think that's the type of thing that really just juices your confidence the way he hit those threes in the second half. And I, it was just great to see. I'm, I'm super happy for him. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Let's get into our most sports talk radio <laughs> thing we have, which is called Homer and Hater. If you're new here, it's just an irrational take, both positively and negatively. So Homer and Hater, Carly, I, yours are tied together. So what is both your Homer and your Hater? I, I, know, they're, say, I know they're tied together. I, I got to do both. All right. So today my Homer and Hater are all about our friend, Mike Parrish. And um, I'll start with the Hater because then I'll, I'll end on the positive note as I normally do. But I have to tell you, I know you like the pump fake. It stresses me out how slow he is on the setup for his three-point shooting sometimes. And, you know, I think even this season, I've seen him miss opportunities to take shots because he is looking for the perfect moment. And I've seen him a couple times. He does the move. He doesn't have it. And he goes in and he's he's taking these like, closer range shots. And I just, I just want him to shoot a little bit faster. It's driving me crazy. Um, I will say though, he knows, I think he knows it because he practices that pump fake shot yeah, in true. warmups. I've, we watch him do it all the time. Like he definitely has a self-awareness, I believe on the topic. Yeah. I think to me, it's just like, I know how important we need him to be this year and he's gotten a lot of open looks and he's shooting well. He's playing well. This is not a criticism of any of that, but I'm just like, go, it drives me crazy. I hate it. It's not that terrible, but it's my hater for this. And he's shooting 48% from three. Right. No, exactly. I mean, but he does, he does pass a lot of them up. Yeah. To pump fake it. And some of it, he doesn't, he does do a good job of, at least when he does pump fake it, sometimes he steps in front of the three-point line, but he does a really, he does this sidestep move when oh, he yeah. pump he fakes gets, it. He'll try the so, second step So in. at least it's still behind the three-point line instead of that wretched, you know, analytical, unfriendly, one step inside the three-point line shot. Oh, yeah. I, I think he's very aware of that. He'd much rather take the three, but still, it's a little slow for my taste. Yeah. So for the lighthearted hater in me. That's the one. Mostly it was an excuse. So I could talk about the Homer, sure. which is also Micah Parrish. And that guy's attitude this year and like just the RBF. I love it. I love every minute of it. I love the way he stares down those students in the front row at UCSD. I love the grind. I mean, honestly, say what you will about the intentional foul call. I mean, Obviously, I'm sure he knows that was a bad decision to shove that guy, but that was the turning point in that game. That bubble over of frustration from Micah is what, instead of letting things get out of hand, locked them in. And I have seen that in him. You can see it in his eyes when he just like the, you know, the focus narrows and he's got this like mean look on his face and he's unstoppable. And I love it. I don't know. I just, to me, it is like you mentioned Keyshawn leaving definitely left a hole in the kind of animated vocal leadership place. And Mike is a different type of guy sure. when it comes to that. But I do think in a lot of ways, he's filling that void. He's rallying. You see him kind of be really active. Um, 
you know, we have the meme from last year. Was it the Utah State game where he's got the, you know, hand cupping the ear at their fan? Like, I, it's I'll, good. I'll, I'll take like it. it all day. He's, he is, he isn't, this team needs a little bit of this because we're not the underdog anymore. He's cool being the villain. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. I He's like cool it. being the villain. And Lamont's the good cop. I'm sure like their dynamics, Lamont's the good cop and Mike is the bad cop. Yeah. Using kind of a parents uh-huh. analogy. I get it. I get but it. But Mike is cool with being the villain and he's happy to be that guy, to be the heel, to bring the ire down upon himself. It only fires him up. Oh yeah. He, he's definitely thriving on it. And I can't wait until he takes that, you know, as long as he can keep his emotions in check, which he typically does. Um, you know, bringing that to some of the hostile environments that we have in front of us. Yeah, great. he's not Chad Baker Bazaar, who I love, <laughs> who I loved, I love, who, but also did, did not, not have his motions in check. Did not mind being the heel either. And I've, I've actually been, he's been playing pretty well at Auburn this year, but he, yeah, I think you're right. He, he has filled a lot of that leadership, emotional leadership gap. And it's great to see. Again, another great thing to see of just how this team is evolving, how this team is coming together and all that good stuff. Yeah. All right. What about you? I kind of uh, stole the show for a minute, but do you got a good Homer or hater you want to lead with? Oh, man. I actually didn't write one down. Oh, But okay. I'm thinking about it. The coaches had a bad night on Friday. Oh, interesting. Hmm. UCSD went on a couple runs. Dutch never called timeout, which was this thing that I, his first season used to drive me freaking bananas when he wouldn't call timeout. But he led a TV. There was a couple. We got down 14. He let it get to a TV timeout, which was like another minute. And I was begging for him to call a timeout. I thought they should have pressed more to kind of wear those guys down because they weren't going to go deep on their bench. And there was probably a little bit because our bench wasn't that deep. But I I think like the players, there was a little bit of like meh to it. And I, you know, if we're going to talk hater, you know, they, again, these are just irrational takes. I just don't think the coaches had that good of a night if I'm going to take a hater take. They just okay. didn't. All right. I didn't love. I didn't love some of the rotations. Jaden was dying not to come out in the first half when he got that that second foul call. I tended to agree with them. I, I don't know. I mean, it was fine. They did, they did drop a good play there at the end. It's uh, like again, these are irrational takes. And if my irrational takes is, I just Dutch has had better nights. Well, you know, and I think um, I don't know half half glass full kind of gal. He trusts his team. And so I do know what you mean. There are moments when you're like, okay, these guys need a deep breath, but. Phil Jackson's known for this. Yeah. He was known for this when he could, when, you know, Bulls and Lakers are like, he would sometimes not call traditional let timeouts. It, let it roll too far. But when we were down 14 and things were looking very bleak, I just thought it, I just thought it was time for a timeout. And I thought some of the, I don't know. I just, the end of the game stuff really all made up for it when they, when he drew one up that got the ball across the half court line. So they, you know, didn't get it back and foul and waste more time. Like, he definitely was one of those like totally redeemed yourself there. But I just, you know, the, you know, there was points in the game where I was watching the, you know, I was watching the bench and coach's arms, there was a bunch of coaches arms folded and they just. I mean, there was a moment where I think we all like, let's agree as a fan base thought we were definitely going to lose this game. And so they probably felt that way too, for a few flashing moments, but um you know, at the end of the day, I think it is probably difficult to coach when you got you're dealing with some sure. like you know monkey wrenches. You don't have the, all the guys healthy, and you know, kudos to UCSD. They there were moments where they were shooting pretty lights out. Like we were yeah. playing good defense, the buckets were still falling for them, and so you can't really coach that. But I get what you mean. I get it. And low key, I love our coaches. I do. I just 
my irrational take is I didn't think they had that great of a night. There's a lot of guys that didn't have a great night for the for our, I mean, we barely beat a 200 and something Ken Palm rated team. Like, I don't think a lot of people had a good night. Yeah. All right. Well, um, let's bounce back with a homer. What do you sure. got that's good for us? Man, you got a lot of my good ones. The Elijah one is there. Let's just go. I, you know, I'm going to stick with Elijah Saunders here. Okay. I think he's going to be ready to take that Jaden Ledeen role next season. Wow. And be in the be in the paint, be the center of attention. He's learning from him a lot, and I think he's going to be ready to be that focal point on the offense next year. Okay, and I I think that's the type of that's just how he's putting the foundation and the building box together this season, so that he'll be able to slide over to that that Jaden spot, and next to Miles Heidi, where Miles Heidi's kind of the understudy to Elijah Saunders, Mm. and I think he's going to be outstanding and. I, you know, where he's more than just, you know, I, you know, there's a couple of times where I thought he did a very good job of sealing on the inside and he didn't get the, he didn't get the ball in the post up, but he's got that touch, you know, and then he's, he's got that super dangerous three ball. And I just, he's, he's, he's going to be ready to take that spot from Jaden Ledee after he goes, after Jaden leaves the program after this year. I like it. I hope it, I mean, last year we talked a little bit about how we wanted to see that mentorship in that duo specifically and you're right it could be kind of coming to life and we got a long season ahead of us for him to continue to develop so all right well that was a great game let's never do it again (laughs) moving on to tuesday night we have grand canyon six o'clock pacific time yes sir right that's on espnu and espn plus the aztecs are uh down to 26 in ken palm grand canyon is 80th in ken palm uh, the net isn't released yet for quad if it's how to kind of orient games, but Ken Palm is usually pretty close. So if Grand Canyon can get up into the top 75, this would actually be a quad one win for us. This would be a quad one opportunity if Grand Canyon can get into the top 75 and they're at 80 in Ken Palm right now. We'll see what happens with the net, but the, those usually align pretty well with one another. Um, what, you know, just going into this game, what, what makes you worried? Well, you know, for those who listen to lots of these podcasts, when Trone and I previewed the season and tried to do our predictive records, we were, I think we're both wrong already. So we have that. But I predicted this as a loss. And so that makes me worried. Sure. <laughs> you know, this was on my horizon, primarily because, as we know, it's a tough road environment uh, where everybody's Super Bowl this year. I mean, Grand Canyon 6-1 and one this year. They are stronger on paper team than I think anyone really expected them to be. Um, So yeah, it just, I think the collective, all of those factors, this is by no means a guaranteed win. And no, by no means. We got a little tough, sneaky, tough stretch ahead of us right now. So that's what worries me. It's, it's the myriad of factors that all kind of are going to make this a real tough game. We got to lock in. Yeah. I mean, that place is going to be bananas. That place is going to be bananas. That place is bigger than these. I mean, talk about an appetizer to go into Grand Canyon. That UCSD game is a pretty good appetizer for what they're going to get there. Um, the Aztecs have been outstanding at drawing fouls this year, right? They have a 41.6 free throw attempts to field goal attempts um, percentage, which is good for 44th in the country. And that means they shoot about 41% of their total free throw attempts 
is about 41% of their total field goal attempts. So that's that's a pretty high number. The average in Division One is 33.6. Grand Canyon is second in the country at 54.3%. So they get a ton of free throws, a ton of free throws. And my biggest worry here is it's going to be another game where we don't get any calls. They get all the calls because they're at home, and that's how those things work. And that's definitely one thing that I'm concerned with. They also have a very high block percentage of 5.3, which is good for 15th in the country. Their block percentage is 5.3%, which is good for for 15th in the the country Um, on offense. So, you know, they have the height. So they have the height to get it over where they're not getting a ton of their shots blocked. And they just have a ton of height. They're 17th in the country in height. That's 78.5. That's something that's always that's always hurt us. Um, and it's just going to be a terribly, terribly hard environment to play in. And we can't be discouraged if the Aztecs lose a, lose a close one or even like not even that close of a one against Grand Canyon on on Tuesday. I mean, yeah. Like if, if you've never seen these guys in action as far as an environment, they're bananas. Like they are our students camping out for the BYU game 13 years ago. Like that yes. is, that is the era of Grand Canyon basketball that they are in. And um, yeah, their only loss was to an undefeated South Carolina team. So yeah. this will be tough. Um, I think the the game coming out of this UCSD game, I think actually is a great prep. You know, I think there's a little bit of that reality check mode sure. where we did struggle. We, we eked out the win. Good. I think there's going to be a little more like we got to take care of business yep. approach to this game. So, but yeah, they don't uh, start a true center, but they're, they have a forward who starts who weighs like 280 pounds, 270 pounds. Mm. That, yeah. And let me just, to clarify the block, as you can tell, it's Sunday night. We're getting, we're a little tired here, but the, to clarify the block thing and how they use their height on offense, Grand Canyon, like it's 5.3% of their shots blocked, which is good for 15th in the country. And then on defense, they block 13.7 of the attempts, which is good for 42nd in the country. So they do use their height to their advantage and they are just, they're sneaky good. They got a good coach by Shrew, like he's been around. So sorry, their, their guy is only 250 pounds. Oh, so slight, slightly less. 6'10", 250. That's where they start against Jaden. So, uh, you know, I trust Jaden, his strength. But, yeah, you're right. These guys are kind of big. Okay. Give me some reasons for optimism. I mean, knock on wood, Every all the wood around us, we got to have a healthy Reese Waters. And if we do, I think he's going to be raring to contribute again. I think really coming off of his – Game at Cal, that MVP for the SoCal Challenge, I think that was a really good mental confidence booster for him in the important role he plays. And so, um, you know, he was so humble in his early season interviews around, like, how he wanted to integrate into this team. But, like, I'm ready for him to be a star. And so he's healthy. That makes me really optimistic. I think we'll kind of settle back into what won us, you know, all the games before UCSD besides BYU and, and be ready to go. Yeah. Got some good Ken Palm stuff here. Things that I'm very, that make me very optimistic. Right. You lead into the stats because sure. I stay on the emotional side. So Grand Canyon is 251st in the country when it comes to turnover percentage. They turn the ball over 19% of their possessions. That's good for 251st in the country. The Aztecs are 65th. Um, the, and the Aztecs, I'm sorry, the Aztecs are 163rd in, in creating turnovers, but with the Aztecs stout defense and long arms, uh, that, that definitely works in our favor. 
Grand Canyon uh, is only 31.5% from three-point shooting, which is good for us. They also give up 36.2% from three, which is 291st in the country. So that tells me they give up a lot of open threes. And I just think we have the more talented team. Yeah. Now, does that come into play in a hostile environment? We'll see. But we just got out of a hostile environment. So I think that, that definitely prepares them some more. But look, the Aztecs love turning teams over. Grand Canyon's not very good at not turning the ball over. They give up open threes and they don't make open and they don't make any kind of threes. I think that's a real recipe for success. And then the other thing here is um, Grand Canyon is 349th in the country when it comes to assists. So if their assist a field goal makes is 37.7%. That's good for 349th in the country. We want them to be stagnant. We want them to just give it to their primary guy and let Lamont shut them down or whatever defender is on them. So they're not going to move the ball and get our defense moving from side to side and they don't get a ton of assists, which they are basically dead last in division one. If they might be like eighth to last in division one or something, something, you know, in the bottom one percentile here. Um, I think that bodes well for just everything the Aztecs like to do to, and make force teams to do. Grand King is not very good at that. So I think that those are my re- reasons for optimism. Yeah. I like it. I mean, Lamont, you know, coming off of this strong game, I think we'll be primed for that. I'd love to see him get some big steals. Um, the leading scorer for the Lopes, you know, is a tall guard. And so that'll be interesting if Lamont Micah can Parrish. be the one who lock him up. I, that's exactly where I was going. I think Micah equally has played really good defense this year. He's gotten some great steals himself. And so if they're going to rely on this guy, Tyon Grant Foster, for all their scoring and either Micah combination Michael Lamont Elijah can shut him down I think we'll be in good shape so the one thing here is that they're just not going to be a lot of guys on the floor Grand Canyon has 26.1 percent of their minutes as bench minutes the Essex are at 23.9 those are both in the 300s um so you know it's just going to be the best versus the best of each team the best five versus the best five and that's advantage Essex that it just is yeah especially as Darian gets healthier like if he can be a sharp shooting sixth man like that can be really you know, I yes. think we're all ready to see that. Yes, absolutely. And he's due to come back to the mean a little bit. Darian will be fine. I'm not worried about Darian Jamal. Did not his best game against UCSD, but I love that guy. And I, I did see something that made me laugh online that was like, should we get him a puppy? Oh, where's, where's Penny the puppy now that uh, now that Matt Bradley's in Germany? Yeah, well, maybe maybe Darian I need a, can I need foster a, her. I need a Penny the pu- puppy update. Will someone please send me a Penny the puppy update? Yes, please. All right. Let's do a little football. You got time for a little football? Yeah, maybe a couple minutes. All right. I don't know if you've heard, but the Aztecs have a new coach. His name is Sean Lewis. He was the offensive coordinator at, at Colorado. Um, before his play call, before his play calling duties were stripped, the Colorado was a juggernaut on offense, and then they weren't when they when they switched it to Pat Schirmer. So that's that's probably going to tell you something right there. He was also the coach at Kent State. Uh, hard place to win. They've been to five bowl games of all time. He took them to two of them. His record is a little deceiving because Kent State basically pays for their athletic program by taking three bye games a season where mm-hmm. they go to Alabama, Oklahoma, Ole Miss, Texas, you know, those type of places where they're getting seven-figure checks to fund their athletic department. So, you know, his his record is definitely a little lopsided because of that. Um, you know, that you know, he go basically have to go into Mac play one and three, oh and four, because they're playing four bye games essentially. And he took them to two bowl games and he wants to play that Aztec fast offense. Are what, what's your what's your initial what's your initial thoughts on Coach Sean Lewis? Pretty excited. 
I mean, I think I can echo the greater Aztec nation vibe when it comes to being really happy with this hire. I mean, of course, there's things we got to figure out. We want to see how he fills out his staff. We want to see which guys he keeps. I know there's some- Doug Deacon. I, don't, I heard that. <laughs> I heard that's not happening. But we got. I love Doug Deacon. Our special teams been great. It's always interesting to see, you know, whether it's the coaches or the players. I think there's definitely been some surprises uh, from our current roster that have entered the transfer portal. But this guy's known for recruiting, so I'm excited to see who we can bring in. I think there's already some whispers around looking at, you know, what are the quarterbacks on the horizon that he might be able to, uh, you know, get a good look at. And so I'm excited. I think smart hire by the athletic department, knowing that we needed the fan base needed a shot in the arm when it comes to the energy. No, just acknowledging like we're hungry for that offense. How, and so how does it make you feel that the coach is our age? <laughs> Ooh, is he younger than me? I'm pretty yeah, sure I, he is. I, I didn't want to say that, but he is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I think it's great. I, I think it's let's hire for talent. You know, I think any elder millennials who are in the workforce know that like, don't let his age discount you. It's it's definitely uh, a good balance, hopefully, of being able to be really relatable to the players. But he's proven his chops in a lot of ways uh, as a coach. And so, I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to think twice about it. Yeah. I think he's excited to be here. I think he's he excited to be here, too. Like, I, don't, I don't think that his Colorado experience was great. Just based off of his comments, like, they tried to, they tried to pry it out of him, and he was gracious as ever. But it was only when they asked. Yeah, I mean, listen, that that had to have been tough, but just a tough dynamic all around. I think, you know, they brought a lot of attention to the sport of college football, which is cool. And um, he seems like a guy that should be at the helm of a program. So absolutely. I what about you? Thoughts? I am surprised that they took a swing with the Colorado, like, you know, with all the stuff around Coach Prime and just the hype around that. I am very surprised that they took a swing like that. I thought they were, I thought they would it's be not there. a conservative hire. Like they Absol- normally go absolutely for it, right? not. I thought, if, I thought if they were going to go offense, they would go, they would really try to get Ryan Griff from Washington. That's the safe choice. Those guys are in the college football playoff. That would have been the obvious conservative like that. You know, that guy is going to have a Heisman finalist and he took JD Wicker took a big swing. And I, and after, you know, after everything I'm hearing, I mean, he won the press conference, which means nothing once the next season actually starts. But, like, it's a big swing, and, and I like it. And he's been at a lot of places. He's seen a lot of things. He's been from Kent State all the way through the Coach Prime Colorado experience and have a little bit of experience everywhere in between. I think that brings a lot of valuable experience of just, like, seeing the spectrum of college football. He right? played at Wisconsin, and right? He played, and he played at Wisconsin. So, you know, he – you know, I – I, I'm very excited. I think he's going to do a good job. I hear he, I hear he likes to get on the sticks, so let's get on the sticks, Coach Lewis. Um, <laughs> hey, I, I heard, you know, those people that are getting involved in Aztec Link subscribers, maybe there could be like a golf tournament on the horizon next that's spring, true. something like that maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. More to come. Also, just another plug for Aztec Link. Got to subscribe if you're a supporter of the football program. Just like really support that asset that we have for San Diego state because we have 33 open scholarships. It's going to be a topic that comes up a lot, you know, just like we're doing with Mesa and basketball, how important it is to make sure that that asset is healthy and going Aztec link to be successful in football has to be the same thing. Um, so just, I'm just going to keep plugging it. I'm going to keep plugging all that stuff because those two assets are unbelievably important to the overall success of, uh, of San Diego state sports and 
Coach Lewis has to have something to work with here. Yes. And so I think he has great partners in JR and Mike Coleman and, and we're gonna keep, team. And we're going to keep getting creative. I mean, full disclosure, Carly and I are both involved with Aztec Link. And um, we have a lot of exciting stuff about to come out, about to be announced to where we're going to get creative. We're going to provide value to the fans. We're going to, you know, do things that, you know, aren't just being like, if you don't give us money, we're going to suck kind of thing. And so, which is important. And let's all be a part of the solution. Exactly. Everybody be additive to one another. Um, you know, we're not, we just, we just all want to do this together. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. So with that being said, do you have anything else before we get on? No, looking forward to this week. We got a we got a Tuesday game and we got a fun Saturday game with uh, some banners. I heard mini oh, mini, mini final four banners and the low rumblings. Not sure if it's going to happen, but he might be there. Could he lead the I believe chance? Oh, that would be. I, I heard a few calls for that, so we're yeah. going to cross fingers he's that a, maybe we'll all see six seven Coach John Lewis, high energy gentleman. I think he'd do so a great job. He would do the an outstanding job with the I believe chant, and I think. You know how fired up that would make him? To be oh, like, yeah. This is what we have for basketball and to, and, and to harness that into what we could do for football. It's going to make the case that when he's going yes. out and talking to people, if he can say, like, we got to bring this I to Snapdragon. I felt the jolt, like, of that. So, yeah. Good All stuff. right. Well, uh, that does it for another episode of the Asset Breakdown Podcast. Again, my name is Austin Bolton, hosting with my wife, Carly House Bolton. And until next time, go Aztecs. Let's go Aztecs. on the floor. It's Butler with two seconds. He's got to put it up and he wins it. He wins it with the jumper. Mitchell's feeling it. Now he's feeling it even more. What it do? Matt Mitchell. Shackle to Flynn for the win. Coast in for the layup. Franklin with two seconds forces the shot. It's good. The Aztecs advance. They've won it on the shot by the player of the year. Miller, he put it behind his back. It's taken away by Butler. Love it up. Love it down. Big finish. Keyshawn Johnson. Now we have tasted it. We're coming back. We're coming back.